I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. Run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm director of the Fifth Element. Well, I highlight the Fifth Element hip hop, which is knowledge. And if you want the rest of this intro, you're gonna have to get me breast milk from a Cambodian immigrant. Stick it, dig it. And then he memory clinks the, the, the glasses together and starts the flavor in your ear. Press me. <laughs> oh my days, what a fucking episode that was. That's actually comes up that comes up in this. He that's I'm gonna talk about the, the scene that re, that Chappelle references. So yeah, it's exciting. Glorious. Glorious. Yeah. Yes. Hi Ben, how's your week been, brother? And what have you listened to this week? I listened to a couple Both of albums. Reference. No, I didn't. Oh, the uh, the Kendrick. Yeah, buddy. The new Kendrick, man. We got new Kendrick. That was crazy. That was that was really exciting. We didn't get Kanye though. Which um, anyway, we'll continue. Uh, I listened to quite a few projects. Formerly Len, a path to a new me. Uh, I really enjoyed this project. I think these beats really capture the existential and personal journey that Elian is displaying on this tape you know it's packed with self-aware observations and those kind of bleed into celebratory bars about fully realizing who you are as a person and how that process is always ongoing i think the beats are top tier like they're genuinely great and Elian definitely has his own unique rhyme style so if it's for you you'll you'll love it and i think it's definitely worth checking it out to see if you enjoy it west side gun hitler wears Hermes eight now I think that this aesthetic and this format really serves him well when he's ready to just drop a mixtape like this. You know, throwing bulk guests on ensures that regardless of the quality of the beats, his bars will never outstay their welcome. And he's had success with this formula his entire career. He avoids the microphone enough so that when you ever hear that, hey yo, rather than saying, I mean, Charlie might disagree, but rather than saying not again, my mind immediately grasps it. Yeah, fuck yeah. Like, Westside Gun's coming back, you know? And when you drop a project with 18 guests over just... 18 guest spots, sorry, over just 13 tracks, you're at the mercy of the guests, really, in the end. And thankfully, they almost all deliver on this project. Source Walker came through with an incredibly clean verse. I uh, referenced Jay-Z, LeBron, Meek Mill. That was a great one. Um, I think the album is, is really good. I think it's good. I don't think it's as good as Pray for Paris. I don't think it's as good as uh, his last project, but I I think uh, I think it was Who Made the Sunshine. Um, it's good, man. It's good. I really enjoyed it. I it's not like a, an album of the year contender for me at the moment. Uh, I just think it's a it's a good solid entrance into the Griselda lexicon. Flea Lord and Rock Marciano. I said this a few times in the past few years, actually. I think Rock Marciano's production is glowing up rapidly. I keep, I think I've done it on this podcast at least four times and come in and talked about his production. Uh, he really is adding more texture to the loops and carefully curating the energy and the vibe. And it's not easy to make music that sounds celebratory, but isn't at the same time. Like Breath of Fresh Air, Breeze in a Porsche, like these, they, they transition really well into the, the much harder nature of the rest of the project. Flea Lord continues to be great you know it just continues to be great uh and then smoke dizza thanks again with 183rd and nimlo uh so this 
you know, this was interesting. Like, I, the way that I thought of this was like, imagine if Kanye was chopping up samples in the 1930s and every song we heard from him had like a gramophone quality. That's what I felt like on this. You know, Smoke Dizzard remains a formidable presence on every single beat he touches. And they get into this like early 2000s Def Jam vibe as well on like Cold as Ice as well as some of the vocal inflections. Like I heard a lot of Fabulous in this, you know, I just it just threw me back to like those early Clue tapes with Fab on them. I don't think there's a miss on this project. I think it's amazing. Uh, and you know what? I, I was just thinking about this. I think 33 minutes is the perfect length for an album. I just think... It's a great length, and this is exactly, well, I think it's like 33 minutes, 40 seconds, but it's really good length. So, yeah, man, I uh, I enjoyed it a lot. All all wins this week, all good all good projects this week. What about yourself? Yeah, I've got a couple of dubbies in there, I think. Okay, yeah, a couple of, couple of dubs. Um, right, started off with uh, Steam Down, uh, Fire Fruit, uh, with, five, with four tracks, which just annoyed me. I thought there would be five. Um, but yeah, this is a collective from uh, Sanf East London, um, Jazz uh, Ice Collective. Um, yeah, and uh, this is a superb EP for four, uh, four pack. The title track is an absolute banger. It's like six minutes and it's just super powerful, nice, powerful vocals, just some real hard hitting, uh, just some real hard hitting instruments uh, behind it. Uh, uh, unite, un- untie with uh, Lady uh, Shana's Grey as well. Empower, Aphronaut Zoo, Tiny Man, and uh, uh, Anunce, I think is how you say it. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a wonderful EP, four tracks, can't complain, just around 18 minutes. Superb piece of work, definitely in the EP list. Long list uh, for EP of the year. Um, or. Oh. EPs of the year. I don't number it. Uh, Ray Vaughan, TDE's new boy, uh, with a peer pressure, little free pack. Um, so this is the first time I've you know, obviously, you know, from, I'm assuming for most people have uh, ever heard of Ray Vaughan. Um, obviously with the announcement that he's a new uh, TDE signee, and uh, dropped this in anticipation of that announcement. Uh, you know, just to get people, give people a taste of what he's about. And uh, you know, this is another three packs. Uh, good, it's, it's cool. It's cool. I, I like his energy. Um, he seems like a real. He, he seems like a guy that you'd love to see live just for the hype factor. Guaranteed mosh pits. You know what I mean? That kind of vibe. So I'm here for that. Uh, and yeah, just real, uh, real vivid imagery as well. I'm re- I'm really here for it. So uh, shout out to shout out to Raven on that front. Uh, Gorillas. Meanwhile. Uh, I think it's another three-pack, if, uh, if I remember correctly. Yes, it is. Uh, so we have Meanwhile with Jelani Blackman and Barrington Levy. Banger track. Uh, Jimmy Jimmy with AJ Tracy. I love the hook to that. I don't know why, I just really like the hook to that. And Deja Vu with Alakai Harley is probably the best of the three in my mind. Uh, I just love the... Oh, it, 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 I, I would, I would, I was, I'm so surprised. This would have been perfect... Um, on her recent project, I would have loved it on that. That would have really elevated it for me. Um, but it's on here, and that's all well and good. It's out in the world, and uh, yeah, man, p- superb free tracks. Um, as 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 three pack EPs go, superb. Uh, and the Gorillas, what do you expect? Uh, Pitch ninety two intervals. I love this album. I love this album. This is so. This is this is such perfect like background doom work kind of music for me. Uh, Pitch 92, um, actually kind of an outstanding, just like on the face kind of story. Um, a, a dude from, um, born in Dublin, uh, grew up in Germany and Switzerland, listened to Mad Lib and Dilla back in the day. P- 
and it says in his bio here picked up a, a first NPC at twelve. Uh, yeah, just it's just uh, you know part of high focus now. Just uh, constantly doing uh, good beats for a lot of people, including like Verb T, etc. Uh, etc. Et and uh, yeah, man, he comes through with this one. Uh, you know, just a producer-led project, obviously, but with mad features just coming through. Uh, King Kashmir, Kofi Stone with Under the Sun, great jest on Live from London. I love that. I love, there's a sample in there where this guy goes live, and it's just, oh, I love the vibes. Uh, Verb T on All In was great. Uh, Confucius MC on Lullaby, banger. 365 with Manic MC, banger. Uh, so, uh, one, one of them with, I think, something in the trunk with Lord Apex. I think that was the one I was thinking of as well. Absolute tune. Uh, but yeah, man, this is a solid album. I really enjoy this. The 39 minutes. I actually think, uh, going back to your 33 minutes, I think 40 minutes is a perfect length for me. I feel like most projects that are in that 30, 30 40, 41 minute range usually never miss for me. I feel like that's a good medium. Um, but, you know. It's obviously from, you know, it goes from album to album. And uh, lastly, which I've literally just finished before we start recording, uh, Notes uh, 3, the album, with another 3 in it. Um, I'm actually surprised, I didn't realise this was his debut album. I thought he's, because uh, he's been around for so long, I feel like he's, uh, he, he's I could have sworn he dropped something before. Uh, maybe it was a mixtape or whatever, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of listened to this just for the... I mean, yeah, he has Take Notes and Take Notes too, so I guess they're mixtapes, so yeah. Um, but yeah, this... I'm not really the biggest fan of Notes on the Face, just just straight up, just going to keep it 100. Um, I'm just not really that into uh, this, you know, this, the melodic uh, kind of singing but not singing kind of thing going on. Uh, half rapping, half not. Uh, it's just like a jack of all trades, master of none kind of vibe going on. And uh, but with that said, I will say uh, there are some good stuff. There is some good stuff on here. Uh, I think uh, let me let me get the track list up again. Um, uh, your boom bam with the uh, young T and Bugsy was a really good track. Uh, I think actually you know there was a good stretch in the middle uh, from boom bam to party up. I would say party up is hasn't got the best hook. Same with We Do, and same with a lot of these tracks, actually. Some of the hooks just do not hit for me. Uh, Bankroll with T with Savage and Avelino is great. Uh, Stop It with Suspect OTB. Uh, that's, grid, that's good as well. And, uh, yeah, so, but, yeah, but even with, like, a One More Time with AJ Tracy, I don't know what that what that was going for. Like, it just, it just screams, I'm trying to chart uh, with this track. Uh, and, you know, I don't think both performances were all that. Uh, I feel like the beat was a bit all over the place. I didn't really know whether it was going to be a, like supposed to be a drill beat, a trap beat, or something else. It kind of had a lot of elements just in the pot, and it was yeah, it just came out really weird to me. Uh, but yeah, yeah there's, there's some good tracks here. There's some good uh, elements all over. Uh, I do think the latter half of the album's kind of just for the women kind of thing, and that's fine. You know, it's, it's all well and good. Go for that if that's your audience. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I can't complain about it. Um, like I said, I was, I was not, I'm not really that big on notes in general, but I thought I'd give it a listen since uh, it's his debut album, and uh, yeah, you know, relatively surprised on a couple of things, um, but yeah, it's, it's cool. There's some good, there's some good stuff in there if you're willing to, if you're willing to trudge through uh, some, uh, you know, just meh hooks. But apart from that, solid. And with that said, we shall hop into part two of uh, our bad boy. Can't stop, won't stop. Sugar cookie. Um, <laughs> a label retrospective and uh yeah 
Let's jump right into it, then. Where we go, where we go, where we go. Let's get it, let's get it. Let's all right, get all right. It. So let's start off with Mace, because we didn't do Mace last week. Now, Mace is a hip-hop legend. Grew up with Cameron, began under the name Murder Mace. You may remember he was part of the legendary Children of the Corn via Big L and Dame Dash. In 96, Sweet. Mace's sister introduced Mace to Biggie's road manager, and he met Jermaine Dupree and Diddy at a convention. He rapped for Diddy, and they signed him on a $250,000 deal. He immediately chopped Murder off the name to make himself more marketable. Now, Mace created his own record label, All Out Records, signing Harlem World, his group. It was after his second album, Double Up, which dropped on Bad Boy, that he actually announced his retirement from hip-hop to pursue a calling from God. He came back in 2004 with Welcome Back, released on Bad Boy Records, called himself a bad boy gone clean on the lead single, and everything was still fine between Mace and Diddy at this point. Now, in 2009, Diddy was being interviewed by Ryan Cameron for V103. During the interview, video shows that Mace turned up and was walking around the studio brandishing release papers, calling them Freedom Papers, which he then presented to Diddy live on air. Diddy signed the paperwork and pronounced Mace free to do whatever he wants. He then said, People have felt like I situation, I may have stopped him or whatever. He can do whatever he wants to do. Everybody's crystal clear. If you want them Mace versus, get your hustle on right now. So Hip Hop DX reported via Misinfo in 2009 that this did not, in fact, release Mace from Bad Boy at all. Rather, it just allowed him to do songs with other artists. So that was on, okay? Things started to make sense after this. 50 Cent in 2014 said that Mace wanted to sign with G-Unit in 2005, but Diddy wanted $2 million from G-Unit to let Mace out of the deal. 50 offered $1 million and was rebuffed. After the, the situation at the radio station, Diddy actually gave Mace a one-year release from his contract, but this was also slightly confusing. Uh, there were rumors that Mace had signed to Warner, he seemed to reaffirm his bad boy ties by revealing French Montana, who was signed to bad boy at the time, was the reason Mace was making his third comeback. Uh, Mace was the A&R on Excuse My French. But by the end of 2012, Mace had officially left the label and he said, I've been in that contract for 16 years. At this point, I don't really want to un be under nobody uh, from the aspect of being tied into a long, long contract. So when, when he was asked about Diddy, he claimed he would go to war for Diddy and that he still had love for him. But he also said this when he was asked about the G-Unit deal. You know how Puff is. I love him, but you're going to cut your arm off to get free. So it got way worse after this. In January 2020, Diddy got on his soapbox and decided that he would boycott the Grammys if things didn't change in the next 365 days. Mace did not take too kindly to this. In an IG post that is still up, Mace said, and it's quite long, and I quote, I heard your Grammy speech about how you are now for the artists and how the artists must take back control. So I'll be the first to take oh, that initiative. Yeah. Also, before we ask of other ethnicities to do right by us, we should do us as black people better, especially the creators. I heard you loud and clear when you said that you are now for the artists. And to that, my response is, uh, if you want to see change, you can make a change today by starting with yourself. So basically, he says, your past business practices knowingly has continued, purposely starved your artists, and being extremely unfair to the very artists that helped you obtain that Icon Award and the iconic Bad Boy label. For example, you still got my publishing from 24 years ago in which you gave me 20K, which makes me never want to work with you as any artist wouldn't after you know someone is robbing you and tarnishing your name when you don't want to comply with his horrendous business model. Now it goes on, it goes on. Uh, Mace said that he offered $2 million in cash a few days prior to that post to sell back the publishing. And Diddy disagreed. 
Uh, you know, Mace was talking about the fact he was only 19 when he signed that deal. So it was a long time, man. 24 years ago, it was 996 before that post. Mace, that was before Mace had even dropped an album. And 24 years later, Diddy still owned all of Mace's publishing. Mace continued, can you imagine how many Maces there are out there? People that have been wronged for years and are too afraid to speak up for fear of backdoor politics or scared to be labeled a hater or a clout chaser because these guys have money, stature, and public adoration. Everybody ain't a hater. Some people are just tired of the hypocrisy. So this debate became a huge topic. Jadakiss weighed in and said, I think Mace has a good enough relationship where he could go talk to Diddy. The way he did it on the radio, the way we did it on the radio with Angie was different. We were young kids. We didn't understand business the way we do now, being business owners and fathers and grown men about it. Mace had a better relationship with Diddy than we actually had. He can go talk to him. So that was the implication that he should have handled that privately. Joe Budden supported Diddy on his podcast, although both Parks and Maul disagreed. 50 Cent sided with Diddy on Rap Radar, saying that Mace signed the deal and he had to honor it. Oh, that's a surprise. So look at the people that, you know, have supported Diddy versus, yeah. So like 50, 50 Cent claimed that Diddy uh, Mace was doing the same thing to Five Year Foreign, although Five Year Foreign came out and Mace both came out and, and proved that that was not the case. So Diddy never directly responded, and some have claimed that since Mace retired in 1999, Diddy actually lost a lot of money due to Mace's move away from music after investing millions of dollars into Mace's career only to have it squandered when he stepped back. But Mace had a number one album that went four times platinum, his first three singles went top 10, and he allegedly wrote a lot of music for Diddy. So, and it's one of those things, man, like, you know, you, you take that risk when you invest in an artist and maybe they do find religion and leave music altogether. That's just, that's a risk. You can't just hold that over them for the rest of their career, I don't think. But yeah, that's the May situation. It started out okay and it ended up, you know, in a, in a dark place, you know? Yes, it was all good just a week ago. Um, yeah, I find, I, 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 I think we need to kind of unpack that uh that that grammy icon speech because i i totally forgot about it and uh i think it's worth just like shouting it out uh in connection to mace because that response that that yeah it's a response that response or just uh or just clarification on mace's part uh was so measured and I remember seeing it, and I remember seeing it going around, and it was just so... It, it was facts in my mind. Uh, you know, you, you, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's making... It's writing checks, your mouth, your mouth writing checks that, uh, your act, that your actions can't cash. You know what I mean? And uh, that's kind of where I... That's kind of where I start and finish where it comes to when it comes to Diddy. It's just like it's it's a lot of empowerment talk. It's it's all that kind of stuff. It's the uh the black capitalist, uh which is, you know, jarring as a concept, uh, but you know, no time to get into that part. Uh but yeah, it's a lot of that. And uh it's no it's no surprise of the people that took sides with Diddy on that front. Uh you know, fifty being one of them, I'm got I me mean, incredibly not surprised what was that link i sent you i sent i sent i remember i sent you like a a, a screenshot of a uh of like a headline <laughs> from 50 <laughs> of like oh, an interview he did i'll see if i can find it but it was it was so it was so fucking amusing to me 
uh, just just find, just seeing it. I just had to send it to someone. I need to appreciate it and see if I can find the recent media. Uh, but yeah, even so, it, as as I find it, um, it was even when it comes to, when it comes to Mace, it's just um, yeah, you know, sure he found God find and uh, sure I, I guess you I guess you lost money on that front, but you know and. Like you've you've had his masters since before he blew up. Like you took a risk at that point, right? Which I guess is some sort of smarts, right? And but then uh, you got to a point uh, where he was, like you said, went four times platinum. Oh, there we go. Fifty cent too rich. There's no such thing. That was that was the headline. That was that was the headline. By the way. Um. So yeah, classic. you know, the classic classic line. Um. So yeah, it's. Uh, it's it is it's, it's it's very disingenuous like uh even thinking about that icon speech um it's a lot of like it, it is that is that it's that politicking that mace was mentioning uh where you know i'm i'm here for the artist you know we we mentioned several times last week you know about the the quote unquote family aspects right and you know <laughs> mace is mace is chilling uh, you know, just just uh, and and is, and willing and able to to just like say no, that's not that's not how it is. But even with that, that's kind of the the interesting part. You said in the middle, where like uh, uh, May saying like I I love Diddy, but you need to cut your freaking arm off if you need if you need to get out of it. Like that's a fascinating dynamic, like relationship dynamic. That's the thing, right? Like I res- I yeah. respect you. But fuck me, you make shit hard. Like, it's not, what, what? What? It's just... Uh, but I think I, I it, it's one of those situations where you have <clears throat> a relationship with someone and a connection with someone, but you just have to accept that part of them. But the problem is, like, as long as that person is upfront about it from the very start, like, this is what a friendship or a relationship or a business partnership with me is going to entail. Because a lo- what I'm seeing with a lot of these artists is they didn't anticipate this at all. That family feel that they thought you know, it was a family, bad boy was a family, that was not the case. And they're, you know, it's some of them have handled it better than others. Some of them are like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I understand that. But like, it, it comes down to a value-based decision based on your own personal values. And, you know, did he, I don't know, man, it's just, I, I just it doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it just doesn't. It, it, uh, none, of, none of it does, honestly. It's just, uh, it's, a, it's a recurring theme of, uh, you know, uh, and and it's funny on that front. Uh, he didn't he didn't even throw his two cents in at that point. Uh, I feel like he I, f- I feel like in this in this in these frozen cases that we've that we've been uh round that we've been uh, rolling off. Like there's a, there was a point where he was willing to defend himself, but at th- but at this point in you know in where he's at in his kind of literal empire. Uh, he. I'm um, maybe. I'm. Um, this is speculation on my front, but you know, there comes a. I feel like there's a point where you just stop defending yourself and you're just like, I don't care. And that's another thing, right? Minor point where we can move on. Like the fact. What? What? How many? How many assets? You know, financially assets. Do you think Diddy has right? And do you think he gives a fuck about uh, Mace's publishing? Like Mace is gonna care, obviously, right? Because he's publishing. But Diddy's portfolio is not is not is not gonna rest solely on Mace's publishing. 
<laughs> like, like I, I, he probably doesn't even know. He probably haven't even hasn't even seen any numbers about it. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's, just, it's so. It must be so inconsequential uh, to his bottom line. You know what I mean? Like, why would why why would he care? Uh, but, but anyway, yes. That's that. That's that Jeff Bezos level of just not not even no, responding I mean, anymore because you exactly. just don't yeah. care. Yeah, yeah, too big. Yeah, too big for it. Yeah, exactly. All right, we'll move on. So I didn't do Faith Evans last week. I have no idea why I skipped over her, but uh, she dropped Faith in 1995, and she went on to have a really successful six years under the label. Uh, Diddy signed her in 94 as the first female artist in August of 1994. She married Notorious Big, who was, of course, signed to Bad Boy 2, so their label ties were incredibly entrenched. And I think that this was, like, this was definitely the Bad Boy family. You know, this was a huge part of the family aspect uh so you know there were there were rumors out there that obviously as we spoke about last week uh puff had biggie you know uh it was a mess like the whole thing was a mess right so for some reason hollywood unlocked uncensored decided to ask faith about it in 2018 she said what i know is puff would never have big killed would never be involved in murdering one of his best friends that's outside of him being his artist you know what i'm saying i know without a doubt that if that's the case, then we would have sued Puff a long time ago if we felt that way. You don't think they tried to get us to do that? I found that a really good answer, a great answer. Like she just cut through all the bullshit and said, look, you, you're trying to cause drama where it's not there. Stop doing that. Like you've been doing it for 20 years. You know, let's just stop with that shit. I really appreciated that. This is what she said of Puff in 2017. Uh... Puffy's always had high standards. Very early in my career, Puff used to walk me to the tanning salon every other day because I was pale and he wanted to tan me up. And he told me he wanted me to walk out of the house okay. and look glamorous all the time. It, so what you're going to you're going to hear a lot of this over the, this episode. You're going to hear a lot of this kind of stuff and it'll get worse as we go on. When he wanted me to sing, I'll be this is Faith again. When you wanted me to sing, I'll be missing you at the 97 MTV Awards with Sting, I didn't want to do anything. I was still grieving. But he got me on the phone and was like, listen, you ain't about to F my thing up. I thought my crying would work, but he persuaded me to do it. He was right, though, because people still ask me about that performance all the time. In 2016, uh... in 2016, Faith and Big's daughter uh, slammed Diddy. She tweeted, Puff does nothing for my family. I'm tired of lying for his lame ass. She ended up walking that back, though, in another tweet. Now, Faith has always been neutral or positive about Bad Boy. In 2015, she absolved Bad Boy of all guilt for Big's death. She left the label in the mid-2000s when they were transitioning to Universal, and Faith felt that her career had stagnated, and that was it. That was the end of their connection. Hmm. (laughs) Um, There's there's a lot in that small bit. Um, Tanning, mm-hmm. uh, there's a that's a that's a whole that's a that's a commentary on something I'd I'd rather not get into. Um, but uh, <laughs> like the, just the I'll be missing you bit just jars the fuck out of me. Mm-hmm. Like I don't that this this that that's some this oh gosh like there's there's some there has to be like some cool. For some sort of like conditioning there, you know what I mean? Just like I, I, I'm sorry. I, however she feels about it, the fact that people, uh, you know, talk to her about it, right, as one of her career highlights. Fine, fine. You know, it's all, it's all you. Me personally, 
that just comes off as exploitative. <laughs> I'm just gonna be 100 with you. It came off. That just came off to me as pure exploitation. Uh, you know, it, it just if if she was grieving, then she's grieving. You know, there's there's no there's no timetable for that. You know, it, it's it it varies from person to person. So to 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 go like to go, you're fucking my game up or whatever. Jars the fuck out of me just thinking about it. I it just that, that's that's mm, you know if I I don't know man. There's if if it was a different person like if she if she didn't uh, if she hasn't I don't know like obviously she's clearly grown past everything. Um, in terms of absolving, uh, abs- absolving, yeah, absolving, uh, you know, a bad boy for Biggie's death, and that's for well and good, right? We can all have our certain opinions of that, and obviously she's a key cog in in the whole story. So if she feels that way, that's fine. I can't complain, right? It's her opinion. Um, I'd argue different, but that's just me. Uh, and you know, I kind of did last week anyway. Um, but bro, that 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 gives big bullying vibes. That one. That that gives some big bullying vibes. I'm sorry, it just comes off as that for me. Like you know, I know maybe maybe making the track itself was a cash in. I don't know, right? You can make that argument. I don't want to, but you can. Um, and maybe if you if you di- maybe it's a matter of like uh, why stop now? You know, you made the song, might as well show it on the MTV Awards or whatever the fuck it was, right? Might as well fuck it. Like if you if you made the track, might as well sing it live, you know. Uh, where some people would be like, "Don't make the track at all." Um, either way, however you however you whatever you whatever side of the fence you see on that front, I just see the initial that 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 transcript of the phone call, uh, you know, coming from her uh, in a quotation that just gives off big bullying vibes to me, man. And I just don't. It just doesn't sit right with me. That just does not sit right with me at all well i've uh i've modified the order because i want to talk about danity kane next and dawn richard so dawn richard i'll start with dawn richard she was part of dirty money uh and of course part of danity kane she left the label to pursue her own career here are some of the words she's had for diddy uh speaking to w magazine there is a thing about women that needs to be understood we don't sit well with being put in a certain place I didn't like how stifled I felt, not in my art, but just as a woman. The things that I saw, the things that you see in the industry are dot, dot, dot. I wasn't ready for that. She told uh, Wild Wayne Unchained, he would bring us in the room and say, you're ugly, you got to fix your face. Wild stuff, but he's preparing us for what the industry would be. But if we would have done what we did in, his, in, in this time, Puff would have been crucified because you can't talk to women now. What he was saying, it was aggressive. It was really aggressive. It was crazy. She said that this was in a positive way, though. Puff, it was not all great, but man, did he teach me to have the tools to be ready. Lessons, breadcrumbs that I will take. So then we talk, I'll talk about Danity Kane. The group was formed via making the band in 2005. Now, Aubrey O'Day backed up Dawn Richards' claims, but they hurt her. She related that they hurt her. She said... Diddy's a father, so hopefully he's learned things about the way you handle women and has more compassion for women now. Puff is a very dis- difficult person to work with. We were scared to death with what would happen with Puff each day. 
There was just no room for error. I experienced everything from race remarks to sexism, and a lot of it was scary. Now, Aubrey claimed that Diddy made the decision to break up the group. Uh, Dawn Richards said in another interview, when we first came out, Bad Boy Records said, only do 100,000 copies because they won't sell more than Cassie. Dawn said, uh, then she said, we sold 100,000 in a day and they had to figure out how to get more units by the time the week ended and they barely got it. We ended up selling 230,000 units and we could have sold more. She also said that Bad Boy refused to give the group money for their performances. She said, when we got out there and we toured, they wouldn't give us any money. We were sewing our own costumes from Forever 21. So at some point in time, everyone in the group has expressed resentment. Uh, Bex left because she felt the group had become divided after Diddy invited the group back on making the band in 2009 and only two members showed up. In the end, Diddy told the group he had released every member from their contract except Dawn Richard, who of course went on to make more music with Bad Boy. The group did reunite in uh, 2014 for DK3 with a reduced lineup, but the damage was done. I'd Look, man, I don't know what to say about that. Like... <laughs> I'm, I'm look i'm not shocked that this behavior goes on i'm not shocked that this behavior goes on i'm saddened by it but like i i just don't i don't fuck with it at all you know uh, yeah i mean um yeah obviously uh the making the band uh bit was uh the you know uh, that's obviously that's obviously part of this and uh kind of why you mentioned it at the beginning uh, just wanted to throw that out there, just because it's funny. Um, but yeah, there, there's so many. Like every time, like the amount of um, the amount of like reunited, uh, re- reunited uh, elements to this. Because oh five to 09, 13 to fourteen, eighteen to twenty, and then it says it'll be on Wikipedia brackets on indefinite hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just don't know I I don't know what to I don't really know what to do with uh, that front, um. But yeah, I th- I feel like uh, I feel like is this is this the first group we've covered out of the uh, two episodes no, we've done? We've done a couple. I think we did total. We did one twelve. Total one twelve. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I'm just seeing. I'm just seeing like a a trend here of just like not being able to. Uh, handle just like groups, you know what I mean? There's there's another thing there, and I can't read that. There's something there, but I can't quite uh put my finger on it. Uh, and I I won't I won't bother just for the sake of time because there's no point in trying to live thinking about it, live theorizing. Um, but yeah, man, it's a I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> I'm straight. That's straight stuff, bro. I, just, I, just, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know where to go. Like, is, is, is what I haven't said before. You know what I mean? There's nothing fresh. It's just wrong. <laughs> it's not, nothing fresh, bro. It's just straight. It's, it's not, just straight bullshitted. It's not. The it's way. straight bullshitted. It's it's straight. Just classic case of, uh, you know, just music label bullshit. I I can't I can't really get past it. Um. I'm stumped, bro. I'm straight stumped. <laughs> Tiny follow me, Bob, but I'm straight stumped. All right, I'm going to run through the next few quickly. Uh, there's a lot. We do have a lot. We'll get through them, of course, but like, there's just so many artists that just went nowhere. Lightning or, like, rounds. You know, did a couple of things and went nowhere. So we had Asim, who was a rapper that was signed to Bad Boy in 2004. He was tipped to lead the new generation of Bad Boy rappers, but after his first album dropped and tanked, 
Uh, he went on a mixtape run and he never struck the charts. Double XL claimed that he was a ghostwriter for Diddy. Then we get Megan Nicole, a YouTube star that Diddy signed in 2012. Diddy called her a talented oh. singer, <laughs> songwriter, musician, and entertainer. Yeah, he called her the perfect fit for the new future at Bad Boy. Now, did he find her, found her via a viral video and flew her out? She left the label after one album when the label's connection with Interscope ended. She left because she felt stunted at the major label. Major label. The article by Stylecaster said this was an article by Stylecaster about this issue. However, being signed to a major label wasn't everything Nicole expected it to be. After years of slow to release music and waiting fans wondering when new material would come, Nicole felt stunted. In 2015, three years after she was signed, Bad Boy and Inscope disbanded, leaving Nicole with a choice. She could either wait for Bad Boy to partner with another pop label or leave and try to make it on her own. She says, I decided to begin a new journey. At that point, I wasn't releasing, I wasn't really releasing any music and I wanted to write and put music out. That was the most important thing for me. I decided to take that journey alone. Uh, we get Jordan McCoy. Uh, I could not find anything of note on Jordan McCoy. We get Kane. Uh, Diddy called Kane Bad Boy's white rapper. He ended up leaving the label because his music wasn't being released. Diddy claimed that the project was coming soon. Uh, his project mm-hmm. was Ghetto Metal. He was saying it. He actually said in an interview. Yeah, Ghetto Metal. Oh, fuck. He's, <laughs> he's, oh, that sounds... Oh, carry on. (laughs) No reaction. No comment. Yeah, visceral reaction to that. No comment. He was so Diddy said an interview it would drop in the next eight weeks. No project came. Uh, Kane dropped a song called "Letter to Puff," which, as you would imagine, is very tortured. Basically, he said he was ready to go. He was working hard. He was loyal, and Diddy left him. Um, At one said he's at one stage in the song he says. Aside from the check, this is something you could actually write, which was a reference I didn't catch. I think it was to a, I think he had a friend in trouble and he asked Diddy for help and Diddy didn't help. Uh, but basically his criticism was Diddy solves everything with money. Uh, then we get Loon. Loon was actually signed to Bad Boy and ended up obviously on the I Need a Girl 2-pack, uh, the part one, part two. He left the label saying he didn't have a chance to establish himself. He ended up in jail, arrested in Brussels in 2004 for intent to traffic. He told Breakfast Club, I caught more cases while I was on Bad Boy than I did when I was on the street. I kid you not. You remember the joint in House of Blues, caught attempted murder. I don't even want to go into the list like I'm glorifying it. Uh, When he was released from prison in 2020, he actually linked back up with Diddy and it was all love between the two. Uh, Fuzz Bubble, rock band that Diddy signed. Not much info about them at all. They signed to Diddy's first. They were first Diddy's first non-rap or R&B act, uh, and they were actually they were recording oh. a record. And Double XL said they left the label because they felt they were what taking the it genre? back. Their rock band. Okay. Yeah. So good. I haven't seen any other rock bands that he signed. So yeah, it's, you know the only rock band. Um, okay. April okay. and MJG. Uh, I never, I actually never knew they'd signed to this label. I never knew they were on Bad yeah, Boy. That's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, I just my ears pricked. I was like, huh? It's random, right? Okay. So they they signed in the early two thousands after appealing on Harlem World in ninety seven. In two thousand and ten, they said in an interview with Double XL. Long story short, it was the best thing for both parties at the time. We never had crazy stuff happening, but people, but just people in general and fans. When they heard we went with Bad Boy, they weren't happy. Some of our core fans didn't feel like it was a fit, and a lot of them voiced that. 
we felt our relationship ran its course and we did what was necessary to end the relationship. Then they said in Vibe, I mean, with the bad boy situation, man, I think it kind of ran its course with us. I think there really wasn't no more that could happen for us over there or whatever. So Living Legends went number three in 2004. That was their highest charting album. And uh, yeah, they left the label pretty quickly. Boys in the Hood. This was, a, listen, like it had Jeezy, Big Juke, Big D. Uh, and there was another artist. I haven't, I haven't, I forget who the other artist was. Bigs. Yeah, there's a couple of bigs in there. So their debut album went number five, uh, and then the next album went number 51. Uh, one of them said in an interview that Diddy was a very hands-off record executive, but there's not much info outside of that. Jeezy seems to have no issue with Diddy. I find that fascinating. That's an interesting point. Diddy was a hands-off record executive. That's not the, that's not what we've heard thus far in this episode. Like, we've heard him... Anyway, um, Cherry, Cherry Dennis... So Cherry Dennis was 19 when signed in the early 2000s. It actually took her six years for her to get her own release, In and Out of Love, in 2007, which peaked at 74 on the Billboard 200. Cherry said in an interview that Diddy's vision for her didn't match her own. I know who I want to be. I know what kind of music I want to make. And I got to fight the people that's around me. That's supposed to be my vision. I've got to fight you too. Cherry has refused to criticize Diddy heavily. She's been baited into that in interviews, and I haven't seen her actually do- doing that. So, and then uh, Kalena Harper, uh, she was one third of Dirty Money. I haven't seen anything negative that she said. Uh, and we'll get into New Edition next, but like just on that, you know, it's just, it's this push and pull. Like some artists, he's like really overly controlling, and then some artists are just getting stuck on the shelf, you know, and it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know, it's confusing to me. So his uh out of out of, out of all of them, I just uh I, I this is it gets back to the it gets back to my the, the last point I made about when it came to makes uh, the makes part. Like if you're a if you're a YouTube personality, right? I can completely understand why you would go like, "Oh wow, did he wants to fly me out? What?" So, you know, I mean, that's a, bro, that's a decent vlog right there. Uh. Just just for that decent vlog right there, boom. Hey, that's a couple. That's a couple hundred k views guaranteed, right? Uh, did he flow me out? Um, but not for the not for the you know. There's usually other reasons people flow people out, but anyway. Um, but what yeah, are those reasons, a, Charlie? I was about to say let's keep this PG, but I swear all the time on this show. So yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> let's keep it plus fifteen. I don't know. Uh, depend depend on your location. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. So uh, if you're if you're if you're a YouTube personality, just that just this, I'm gonna stick for that one for the example, right? Because I feel like it applies to a lot of them, and it just gets to a point where like uh, Diddy's not. D- d- Diddy wants to be bigger than Bad Boy, right? At, at one point, I don't know what point in his career that he wants to be bigger than Bad Boy, right? But some, but you know, even in this case, right now, he's bigger than Bad Boy, right? I think we can, I think we can all agree on that. He's bigger mm-hmm. than Bad Boy. Um, so there comes a time, uh, in in that span where there is kind of no point in signing for Bad Boy. Because it's not bad boy of old. It's a relic at that point and just something that Diddy does now and again, I feel. Because it seems so half-hearted, all of these. Like, just, oh, didn't release my music until six years later or some shit. Like, what the fuck is that? You, it's like, And this is the thing. He's constantly that guy that wants to keep busy, right? 
can't stop, won't stop, right? Constantly busy, constantly doing shit. You think a YouTube? I don't care how good of a YouTuber you are in terms of what content you got and how many views you get on regular, on the daily. I don't care, okay? If you're getting flown out by Diddy, you got his attention for that day alone, and then everything, and you probably won't see him again, right? It's just I, I don't know. I, I just I just don't really get it. Like why why go through this? And you know it's, it could be it could you know. I would hazard a guess, because obviously Diddy has children, right? Maybe one of his children uh, put him onto that person. And they were like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what rich people do, but in a lot of TV shows, they go like, I like this person. Can I see this person? Yeah, you can see that person. Maybe it was just that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I completely speculate. But, you know, that may be the case. I don't know. Um, but, oh, bro, it's just... Even the 8-Ball in MJG one was uh, mad surprising. I was just like... Because obviously at this at this at that point in their careers, you know, they started off in like what early nineties. Like they would do mad. Uh, what's what's the what's the Memphis? Uh, is it horrorcore? Um, yeah, you know, the, the, well, let's just say something hip hop, just to you know keep it simple. Um, you know, they were doing they were doing the something hip hop thing. They were known, right? They 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 were they were known at that point, right? In in maybe not mainstream like you know gonna be on mtv every week right uh but you know they're there they exist um but that's just that's just a, such a random that's such a random case mm. that doesn't make sense oh bad boy south okay a southern spin-off of the bad boys able there we go now everything fucking makes sense on that front okay so clearly at this point in the timeline of 2003 uh where it was founded F- uh, uh, it's all former artists, so I guess it's basically defunct at this point. Um, it's it, it just it that that makes a lot of sense. Whereas at that point, you know, you have uh, Rockefeller, right, stuff like that, and you know, Southern hip hops. You know, I think becoming a thing at that point, right? Uh, yeah, I, I would say so, right? I, I mean, it was a thing beforehand. Let's not get twisted, right? It's, it's been a thing for thirty odd years, but you know, just getting to that point. In the 2000s, Southern hip hop was making a making a mini wave, right? Perpetuated by like the the likes of Lil Jon, for example, and uh, obviously UGK and them. Um, so you know, what do we do? Bad boy South, baby, can't stop, won't stop. You know, what I mean? <laughs> why not? Why the fuck not? That just makes so much more sense to me now. That I just saw that little tidbit. Uh, but yeah, man, all of that, all of that, just those, just those runoff of names. Um, I kind of want to. Ghetto Metal sounds like something Machine Gun Kelly would drop, um, which is funny to me. Um, but, yeah, I, it's... I, I find it so interesting, because I would be real... I'm going to be real with you. Apart from Abel and JMG, uh, <coughs> MJG, I didn't know any of those names. Um, hmm. And I don't know... And kudos to you for even looking it up, uh, for, for looking those people up, because um, I would have stopped to just names I've heard of. Um, but... Yeah, it's like even if it, if it, it just in terms of like scope, right? Is, and I make this final point. It's in terms of scope. So we have like you know we've done the biggies and maces, right? We've done the people that we have all heard of, right? Faith Evans, etc., right? But we never ever actually think of the people that really just fell through the cutting room floor. We never think about them. So spare a thought for those people. 
I don't know what YouTube Homegirl's doing. Probably still on YouTube. Who knows, right? Uh, and you know, shout out to the other, other, other home. Was it? Uh, I think it was a woman that like tried to get her music out for six years. Like, just, just shout out, shout out them, honestly, because you know, we, we've, we've been talking about people that we know of that have been fucked over, but have you know maintained in some way their life in some fashion or their career. Um, most notably, the locks, right? But bro, the cutting room floor is there's some bodies. <laughs> There are some dead bodies under there, man. Damn, so many. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, yeah, we're not done yet. Like, there's, there's, there's bodies, man. <laughs> we got, we got. Shit. So we got new edition. We got new edition. Uh, obviously, an R&B group that signed in 2002 after an illustrious 20-year career. He dropped one let one album on the label. Didn't do as well as they planned. It went number 12. They disagreed with Diddy's creative direction on the album and they revealed in an interview that Diddy refused to pay their producers Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis for a track that New Edition wanted to include on the album. Diddy claimed that they had gone over their budget, which they were very confused at because they were using the in-house bad boy team. So they that was obviously a pretty big miscommunication. They left the label after that. Red Cafe uh, dropped a few mixtapes that never charted and he said this about Diddy. He's very hands-on. Even when I'm in the studio alone, he checks on me and sees if things are done right and the way he wants it to go. This is Bad Boy's legacy. This is his legacy. A lot of the bad talk about Puff mainly comes from artists that had success with Puff, get platinum albums with Puff, who just never got the position themselves to take control of their lives and their careers. They just wanted their hands to be held for the rest of their lives. Puff made all his artists go platinum or gold. He set a platform for you to go and do your own thing. I definitely want to discuss that at the end because that's an attitude that I want to dissect a little bit. B5, uh, in July 2020, the B5 member Brian Breeding said this, uh, after being exposed to the deep levels of politics and agendas, quickly helped me realize that the music business is less about the music and more about the business, which was fine to overlook at the age of 12 and stay focused on my craft, trying to protect my innocence for the love of music. But this is usually the beginning of exploits for snakes to come into the picture, cleverly hiding behind contracts only in favor of the ones creating it. Read your contracts. Now in 2019, two of the members were complimentary to Diddy, saying that he taught them a lot about the game and that he was inspiring. They were upset, however, not to be invited to the Bad Boy reunion tour. Young Jock. Young Jock left Bad Boy in 2010 to create his own record label called Swag Team Entertainment. If you Google Young Jock and Diddy, you'll get the billboard headline, Young Jock plans to sue Bad Boy Records. This is what is said. Uh, I haven't been paid any royalties since I've been out after over a million albums sold. For my first album, they gave me a $25,000 advance when I was supposed to get more. Then I had a million dollar budget for my second album, never even got an advance off it. For the third one, they hit me with another $25,000 like I'm some chump in this shit, and I just got tired of it. In 2014, he actually walked a lot of that back saying that he was not a victim of the bad boy curse. He said, Diddy and I are great. We made a lot of money together. Every time we've crossed paths since, it was love. That was interesting. Uh, Day 26, another group created via making a band, another act not chosen to appear on the bad boy reunion tour. Their relationship with Diddy is fine. The group said that despite not being invited to perform, they were invited to watch the Bad Boy tour. Uh, Brian had asked Diddy on Twitter why they weren't on the tour, and there was a lot of controversy surrounding it, but again, they said that this was taken out of context. Willie said, As always, Diddy is still the homie. He started off us on a great platform. We sold millions of records, we toured the world, and we're still able to do it. 
I think that's, again, that's another salient point. Elephant Man. Now, if you Google Elephant Man and Diddy, you will see Elephant Man gets into a fist fight with Diddy. Now, Media Takeout reported <laughs> that they got into an actual fight at Bad Boy headquarters after Elephant Man and a few others let themselves upstairs, barged into his Look office, and fire. threw him around a little bit. Now, Elephant Man cleared this up in 2008 <laughs> with an interview he said via United Reggae. There was nothing more than people going on the internet and to spread lies and rumors. Me and Puffy are good. Sometimes people have nothing better to do than to play a hate. But I just want to let the fans know that nothing like that happened. How am I going to sign to a major company like Bad Boy and go beat up Puffy? Reggae music doesn't need any more bad press. As artists, we need to do our best to keep the music positive, and that's what I'm trying to do. So he, yeah, walked that back. Donnie Klang, another Making the Band contestant. I couldn't really find anything important on Donnie Klang. Then we get Cassie. Cassie and Diddy were in a long-term relationship for around a decade. It was a bit of an on and off thing. They went public in 2012, but they broke up in 2015. They got back together. I think it was 2019 that they finally broke up. Now, Cassie said in an interview, uh, sorry, interview, Instagram post that she was sad about the person she was while she was with Diddy, but there, there's that was the only negativity around it. There was no, you know, it was just a breakup, you know. There were issues during their relationship. I don't want to get into that because that's relationship issues. Um... So yeah, she left the label in 2018 after the breakup. Now, the band, I'll just get into this before we have another discussion. This is the group that spawned the Chappelle Show skit. So apparently Diddy would make them do things like walking from Manhattan to Brooklyn to get a Junior's cheesecake and bring it back for him. <laughs> now, did he dissolve, dissolve the group at the end of season three? He kept, a, he kept three of the artists, but he let the rest go. Um, this is a TV show, so I don't have a lot to say about these. I, I do think this is an interesting discussion point, the fact that Diddy had a show called Making the Band, um, and it's dramatized, man. It's dramatized. It's what TV is. It's meant to be dramatized. It's meant to be... Meant to, it's not all going to go great, and you're going to find all these amazing artists, and there's going to be no, no problems or no friction. So, But I think this too closely aligned to what was actually happening at, at Bad Boy. And that's the thing, that's the problem I have, is that we see something like Diddy forcing them to walk from Manhattan to Brooklyn to get a cheesecake, right? And we laugh, but we're like, yeah, but he probably would have done that even if the cameras weren't turned on, you know? Just the conversations that we've had so far and the stories we've heard so far, it's like this, he was being himself, and that concerns me a little bit. Yeah, I mean... Bro, just imagine, imagine if that shit was in social media era. Yeah, dead. Like, bro, people would, the memes would fucking skyrocket stupid amounts. Like, honestly, it's, 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 it's absurd thinking about it. Like, okay, you guys want to be, this is the concept Okay, hang on. Let me let me let me just let me just let me just find the the synopsis and be very official with what making the band was. Okay, because you know people can we we all like well people used to like you know the X Factor and stuff like that, which is thank fuck it's ended. Like it's like ten years too late. Um, let me see if I can find like a synopsis right quick. But yeah, it, you know it's obviously uh. It's supposed to be like a, it's it's like the real world stuff like that. You know, there was a lot of MTV shows at that point that were trying to do this. You know, kind of half aspirational, half just like reality TV people pulling each other's hair out or whatever. 
Okay, TV series, each focus on a specific music act. Uh, da 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 da. Diddy acting as the man of the house who makes the final decision on who will be in the band. Okay, so if you just think about what that show is supposed to be, you guys are a band. You guys are supposed to. You guys are supposed to act like your artist. Clearly, by the end of the show, hopefully you will be, because that's a you know that's that's the eventual prize, so to speak, and the reason why they're there, because they want to be artists. And you're telling me to go get a fucking cheeseburger or whatever. Like, bro, that's runner shit. That's 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 runner shit. Run over and get me a coffee. Run over, get me a cup of tea. Run over and get my dry cleaning. You know what I mean? Just. That would piss me off, bro. And you know the, the reason, and the reason why that Chappelle skit really fucking just hit so hard is because it's so absurd. But I mean, the kind and the, you know at the end of it, they're all just like not even bothering. He's go, he goes, I'm shutting the studio down for the third time, and they all just you know, one of them's doing their taxes, you know, and stuff like that, and he's like barking at them, and he just don't, and they, the rest of them don't care. Cause that's the point. That's the point. That's the joke is so obvious. That when you when you watch clips of that show, of just how stupid it is and how absurd it is. When the point of the show is that they're supposed to be a band, and they're supposed to make music or whatever. Like, bro, I hate X Factor, but at least that show stuck to the fucking point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, at least at least when they didn't go to boot camp, they had to like fucking uh 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 shine uh shine John Legend's shoes or whatever. Or, or clip Nicole Scherzinger's nails. You know what I mean? It's, just, it's not absurd. They're just here for the music. They're here to be be- learn to be better at music and go do that. And then you get this. Go get me a sugar cookie. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? That's you know what I mean? But again, Dylan but again says bro, it would be Dylan's great. Like... A, sh- a sugar cookie, man. A sugar cookie. Like, bro, it will be fun. And again, it will be funny as fuck if it was in social media era, man. Now, that, 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 bring that show back just for the memes. But fuck me, bro. It's an actual show of what it's supposed to be. Like, that's just bollocks. And like you said, like, you can't not kind of, regardless if it's, you know, I'm sure there's a level of exaggeration, right? I'm sure there's a level of performance to Diddy, right, on that show. But, 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 you know, we say it it when it comes to Simon Cowell, which is a good comparison in this fact. You know, we watch him on X Factor be a dickhead, and that's the point. He's supposed to be the dickhead. And, I I mean, we're not going to do it, but I bet if we did a Simon Cowell version of this, we'd be getting stories of him being a dickhead. So, you know... If it it quacks like a sugar cookie and uh, uh, (laughs) looks like a sugar cookie, it's a sugar cookie. Yes, sugar cookies quack. Yeah, let's let let that sit. Let that sit. <laughs> Will you let that wash over you? <laughs> it's just just the image of the sugar cookie quacking, and really, it's quite obtuse. If there's any, if there's any graphic, if there's any graphic designers about that listen to the show, I beg you, just 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 I don't know, just have like a sugar cookie. I don't know, just quacking or something. I don't know, <laughs> or just a duck eating a sugar cookie. I don't care. Please hook us up. That would be fucking amazing. Well, that <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious. I only have one left. I have source money now. Okay. This one's interesting because I don't think a lot of, Say again, sorry. 
mercifully oh, lost mercifully. I don't think a lot of people know that Source Money... Well, I don't think a lot of people know this story. So Source Money was never signed a bad boy, but he wrote I'll Be Missing You, which is Puff's biggest oh, hit. No I wrote, shit. I wrote, I'll, I wrote arguably Puff's biggest hit, but it is his biggest ever hit. And yeah. Sting still gets royalties from the song. I, I read a source that claims sure. that Sting gets paid $2,000 a day from royalties off that song. Um, I'm not sure about that, but that like me. you know, that's that seems like pretty intense. But a lot of artists involved with the song were left out of the royalty roulette, basically. So Source Money said this: When I wrote "I'll Be Missing You" for Puff, what happened was he did bad business with Sting, meaning that before he got clearance to use the record, he put the record out. So Sting came back and was like, mm. "Okay, well, since you used the record before you got clearance, I want mm-hmm. all the publishing off the record." At the at the end of the day, Puff didn't care because he was making the money off the physical sales. He had a single release and an album release, so he ate a few times off that record, so it really didn't matter to him. I missed out on about $4 million. We did something as far as a publishing deal that I had, which is why I never really went at Puff, because we figured something out on the on that end. The song generates around $730,000 a year, so you figure 10% of that is $73,000, and 20% is $146,000. You multiply that by 24, 25. So if I had a problem with him, you could understand that, right? Now, Source actually has a lot to say about Diddy. In 2020, when uh, he was watching the same icon speech that set Mace off, comes full circle in this episode. Mm, Just watch Diddy icon speech at the Recording Academy, and I can honestly say I respect the message, just not coming from him. He practices the same backdoor politics against his own people, him and his friend Jay-Z. If the Grammy's on the Mm. clock, then you are all too. Uh, He actually released a diss track at Diddy in 2019 called Love Tap. That's what we got, man. That's what we. That's where we're at right now. And like, look, I, you know, as far as as far back as 2001, in the Village Voice, the bad boy curse has been coined. Fifty Cent said that no one survives Diddy. One Twelve's Parkas, and I missed this last week. He actually co-signed Mace and said, I get where Mace is coming from because I'm in the same situation. However, it's a contract we signed when we were teenagers, and legally, he did nothing wrong. Now. This is the thing, man. Legally, he did nothing wrong. But morally and ethically, there's some mad shit going on in here. And I think that's the problem. And again, I'll hark back to what I said last week and what a lot of people have said. Did he did he posited this family? You know, his his No Way Out album was P. Diddy and the Family. And it wasn't the family as in we're a record label. It was a family. Like we're, we're the bad boy family. You know, we do things together. We work together, we collaborate together, we make money together. But you can't treat your family like this. You just can't. You can't have both ways. And that's what I don't like, the disingenuous nature of it. Trying to get that goodwill from the public and, and the listeners and being like, oh, you know, this has this, this is a really great feel about it. You know, it's not a, a sterile record label forcing artists together. These artists really are friends and they, they care about each other and they're there for each other and they're a family. No, no, it wasn't the case. It's like Diddy was just, you know, at the top and just, it was a record. It was a major record label. And that's what I don't like about it. I don't like marketing it in a different way to what it really was. You know, if you're a major, look at Def Jam. They don't do the whole family thing. From the 2000s, they knew what they were. Like they, they moved over, I think it was to Universal and that was it, man. They just, they ran with it. They, that's, and as much as I don't really, you know, like the way that Def Jam have gone about things in the last 20 years, I do have to respect the honesty. You know, they didn't try and sugarcoat it the way that Diddy has constantly, his whole career, like the whole bad boy career to the point where in 2020, he's saying this speech at the Icon 
uh, getting his Icon Award, and like everyone's coming out and hammering him for it. And then he did the same thing earlier this year when he came out, and I, f- I think it was to support black businesses. I think that was the 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 call. I think it was an open letter that he mm. wrote. He got dragged again, man. He got dragged again by everyone, and that's bad news, man. You shouldn't be getting dragged like that when you come out and and make make good points. It's not like Diddy was making bad points. It's not like Diddy was, you know, uh, saying something completely out of pocket. What he was saying is correct, but you it, like that scares me even more because like there's no goodwill there at all. If if you can come out and say something entirely correct and and, and on point, and people are like, yeah, yeah, we agree, but just not from you ever. You know, like that's that. I don't like that at all. That's a bit scary. And again, we don't have personal. Um, we can't go like we can't make uh, judgments in the end. We can only go off what other people have said. But I mean, why would these people lie? Why would so many of them lie? I just yeah, that's what I don't like about the whole situation. <clears throat> yeah, it's um, it's it's all uh, kind of two part that we've done. Uh, I mean, for me, I've been, you know, I feel, I feel like I've been pretty candid in just saying, like, I just want to shit on Diddy most of the time, right? And that's kind of just the ethos we've taken through this, right? And, you know, but as a label, um, let's let's get to the point of the fact this was supposed to be a label retrospective, right? But as a label, right, the 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 <coughs> the, the up and down, uh, the roller coaster element of it is so um in hindsight it's very predictable um so you know you 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 saw you saw him as you know beginning and it was a very i feel you know grassroots but motivated uh thing right and i kind of think that's why bad boy as a as a as a, as iconography right now right it's it's <coughs> it's it it is grounded in that. It's grounded in we were founded by this guy who was you know who really you know had a vision and credit in one in one bit of credit I'll give <clears throat> made that vision a reality. And that's where the buck that's where the buck stops for a lot of people where they just see the iconography. And uh, they just go, oh, oh yeah, bad boy, yeah, bad boy, yeah. It's just aspirational, can't, can't stop, well stop, you know, just stuff like that. And then that's where people stop. But you know, we spent the past two past two episodes, you know, getting into just the how the artists see Diddy specifically, but bad boy in general. And you know, it's 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 not it's not great. It ain't great in any in any means. Um, even in like label terms, it's not great. I'm I'm sure I'm sure most labels, uh, you know, have people that feel hard done by by said by said label, but it's it's the fact. But the difference with every, all of those and this is the fact that Sean Combs has put himself again above the label, and he put his name on it. It might just, it might as well have just been called Bad Boy by Diddy, as if it was like a clothing line. Sean John, um, they you might as well have just put his name on the bottom of it. He might as well have, um, and at this point in time, it's it just seems you know, uh, current acts, Puff, Janelle Monae, who you know basically has their own imprint. So you know, take that how you will. 
Machine Gun Kelly, French, Montana, Bowwell, and Quincy. Well, Madge, sorry, Madge would do lonely for Bowwell. Um, but yeah, bro, that's 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 a husk. That's a husk. Like, <laughs> that's that's you know that's a husk. You know, we we know some of those names, but it's a husk. Let's just be real about it. So I I just I feel like this episode, these couple of episodes have been very important in the in the in encapsulating and contextualizing. Uh, what bad boy is past the can't stop won't stop uh, bullshit um, there you know we've we've named a lot of artists that we know of uh, we've named artists that most of us have never heard of until Ben looked them up um, so you know thanks Ben for doing that it helps um, you know making this a well-rounded uh, I think um, you know a well-rounded deep dive um, for what it is uh, but you know, it it go it just all comes back to Sean because it because he wanted it to, like he started it with him and it ended with and it's it gonna end with him regardless. I you know just yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. let me posit something. Let me posit something. Okay, so go for it. Yeah, we see Diddy's and and Bad Boy's aspirational, right? And one of the reasons that that label became so great was it made a lot of money, right? And that's basically the case for. All the sure. legendary hip hop labels that we talk about regularly, they made a lot of money. You know, we can talk about labels that are underground and incredible, but they don't get they they're not as aspirate. They don't get you know their their founders don't get the icon award at the Grammys, for example, right? Did he made all that money off the back of his artists? Like he he gave them shitty deals and. Like basically all of them, and there's a common theme throughout where artists are like, "Well, did he? You know, did he got me platinum records, and and I'm happy with that because I got my name out there." As a you know, in the in the other side, are saying, "Did he got me platinum records, but I didn't make any fucking money, and now I'm nowhere in life because what was the point of that? It's, it's it was all for Diddy." So like, how can how can I say what an incredible iconic career if? Every step that you took, you took by like putting people into shitty deals, making lots of money off them, and then glowing up the next level, and then finding the next level of artists to put in a shitty deal, taking all their money, then glowing up to the next level. That's how you get up in business. That's how you get up in a capitalist world. That's how major labels get up. That's how they do it. But Diddy did it too. I, I can't. You know what? It's, I don't. I don't. I don't understand why people say that's an amazing thing. Like I just. You know, it would be amazing if he did it without having to, um, you know, have Mace come back in 2020 and say, you pay me 20K for my publishing and, like, you won't even sell it back to me for $2 million. Like, that's craziness, man. That's unbelievable. That's wild. You know, artists out here saying, uh, I got paid $25,000 advance and I sold millions of records and that's the only money I got. Or a band saying that we had to pay for our own tour and sew our own costumes when they were selling millions of records. That's just not, it doesn't match up. And I know that's how the industry works. I understand that's how the music industry works. I do. I fully understand that. But it didn't have to be that way with Diddy and Bad Boy. You know, you wouldn't, if you were hearing these stories about Rockefeller, if you were hearing these stories about No Limit, if you were hearing these stories about Rough Riders, you would have a big problem. Like, it'd be a real issue. So why is it an issue with Diddy? I know it is, but, like, I don't understand. Yeah, it's just, it's confusing to me, man. It's just, like, would he would he have, would he have 
been the, the would he have gotten that icon award at the Grammys if he hadn't have put these artists into these deals? Would Bad Boy have been what it was if he didn't put these artists into these deals? Would Diddy be what he is today if he didn't put these artists in these deals? And if if not, then what's the use of being a billionaire when everyone's upset with you? I don't get that. You know, it doesn't make sense. There's a there's a uh, there's a I think it's a I'll just call it a passage for lack of a better phrase. Um, from a, a playwright called uh, Bertolt Brecht. Uh, it's called Questions from a Worker Who Reads. And basically, from what, I'm going to basically say what you said, but um, just put in this context because I feel like it works. So, who built the uh, who built Thebes of the Seven Gates? In the books, you will read the names of kings. Did the kings haul up the lumps of rock? Mm. And Babylon many times demolished. Who raised it up so many times? In what houses of gold glittering Lima did its builders live? Where the evening that the Great Wall of China was finished did the masons go? Great Rome is full of triumphal uh, arches. Who erected them? Over whom did the Caesars triumph? Had Byzantium uh, much praised in song only palaces uh, for its inhabitants? Even in fabled Atlantis, the night uh, that the ocean engulfed it, the drowning still cried out for their slaves. The young Alexander Collett conquered India. Was he alone? Caesar defeated the Gauls. Did he not even have a cooker with him? Philip of Spain wept when his armada went down. Was he the only one to weep? Frederick II won the Seven Years' War. Who else won it? Every page of victory, who cooked the feast for the victors? Every ten years, a great man, who paid the bill? So many reports, so many questions. That's basically all I get from uh, when I when, from what you said there. <laughs> it's just... It's just did he stand in tall as always, right? And then everyone else is just, you know, while while some of them, you know, will claim to be fine, I think we can all agree that uh, that all of them could be in much better places in the grand scheme of things. Um, so yeah, that's me. We should finish it there if you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have okay. anything else really to add. Okay. And on that note, we shall leave it there. Ladies and gentlemen from the 5th M Podcast, so it's been digging digits. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'll be trying to tell you the 5th element. Hey, this is Isaiah Rashad. You tuned in to Hip Hop Numbers. I'm saying having the privilege to be here. It's all love. Hope you all have a good week. I'm sure I was trying to do the same. But until next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, peace. Digging Into Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me. Music for the show is a piece of media games by bonus points. It's a true practice for the bit to use. Socials for the fifth element here by buying numbers, bonus points, and true records for being a full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth element podcast and a production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time on Digging Into Digits. <laughs>